Hello, and welcome back to another issue of First Issue Club, the weekly podcast where we cover the week's number one issues. We try to help aid you through the muddy and murky waters that is the comic book landscape. We hope we're helping. Sometimes we're helping, sometimes we're not, but most <laughs> of all, we hope we're helping. This episode, we're covering, covering Vampronica from Archie Horror, Eternity Girl from DC Young Animals, and New Mutants from Marvel. We've got a question for the club today, so tell us your names, and we've read a lot of these Archie horror books uh, where we've got vampires, werewolves, zombies. If you were some sort of mystical creature of the night, what creature would you be? My name is Greg Lichtai, and I would be the Invisible Man. Pick up a soda can and put the soda can right back down. Kind of freak some people out. Is that all the mischief you'd get into, Greg? Uh, I'd spy on all the boys in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was looking for. I would change all of the prices at the grocery store to cause mayhem at customer service. I would run. What about it if you're scrolling through Tendy and you just see an invisible man? I like that hat. With clothes. Do you swipe right? What do you do? Well, that'd make unsolicited dick pics a thing of the past. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Not so intrusive yeah. to your daily life. <laughs> I know you can't see this, but you should be really impressed. <laughs> My name is Caitlin Morosic. I would be a shapeshifter. That would be cool, and I think I would get bored <laughs> of being one thing. God, a werewolf again? Like, I, let's mix it up a little. Oh, so you could be any yeah. fantastic Or just like any person. Creature. Like okay. causing trouble. Yeah. It's either going to be that or like the old rich guy in a town that keeps wearing costumes like a la Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I like <laughs> the crazy old rich guy. And then he just takes off the gorilla mask or whatever, mm-hmm. the bed sheet. <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> Got me again. I really like that. Yep. Kids sneak up to your house and scream and run away. <laughs> I'm just trying to cosplay and these damn kids <laughs> keep stealing my shit. I'm Mike D. I would probably be a swamp beast. I think there's something about a low, murky, swampy water, and it's thick and full of leaves, and I just like to soak and float (laughs) and that stuff. Like, that'd be nice. Yeah, so it's like a a skin treatment. Come out every once in a while. You're in the middle of the woods. It's like a spa. Scare people off from the environment that they're infringing upon. Here's my question. If swamp beasts are kind of living... In the lap of luxury, why doesn't their skin, like, look more smooth and luxurious? Oh, when you're in water all day, <laughs> yeah, don't you so get a little wrinkly? So they look like pruny, like yeah. it's not like you're not exfoliating while you're in there. No, you're just not. like Most just pruny. laying, and that's fine by me. <laughs> there is too much of a good thing, <laughs> and that is what the swamp creature is, <laughs> and that is also what First Issue Club is. <laughs> Let's get this podcast. Got it. Now we have Vampironica from Archie Horror by Greg Smallwood and Meg Smallwood, and the art is by Greg Smallwood. This book doesn't really stray too far from the herd as far as the vampire shtick goes. Uh, as we all know, Veronica is the quintessential rich girl of the town. She is uh, snooty, snotty, and doesn't give a toot. <laughs> and she and Betty are still, surprisingly, uh, locked in battle over Archie. 
Now, I don't know what is so goddamn special about Archie Andrews, but these two girls cannot get enough of him. Yeah, Archie's the most vanilla guy on earth. Truth. And they're, like, in an uncomfortable thruple. Like, they're just okay with one of them being like, oh, sorry, he's going to watch a rom-com with me tonight, and then... You know, we're going to be they're cutesy. Just progressive, Caitlin. I mean, it's uncomfortable, though, because she's mad about it. Yeah, yeah. that's not That's like sister wives where they're like, it's all fine. We're all happy. And in every episode, they're crying. <laughs> yeah. Caitlin's You're referring totally to a right. scene early on in the book where Veronica basically tells Archie that he's taking her out on a date. And Archie has no idea about these planes because they were just made up two minutes ago in Veronica's head. And lo and behold, Betty shows up and goes, actually, he's going on a date with me. Sorry about that. You can have him next time. And they're both just like, Okay, that sounds good to me. <laughs> and then Reggie shows up and goes, I'll go out on a date with you. And she's like, perfect. I need you to make him jealous, and I need her, her to make you jealous so we can all just be fucking miserable in this goddamn town of lies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Riverdale's such a good world for these sorts of books, though. Like, I love the background of it as a whole. Mm-hmm. Sorry yeah. I'm kind of derailing no, your, go ahead. your breakdown, but what do you've got? Like, corny romance drama. Uh, small town politics, like all the high school archetypes you could ever want and more. And then it's kind of set in like a 50s style, nostalgic right. kind of vibe. They go to the diner. But perfect, perfect world for like these sort of horror movies. I think it works so well because Archie is a pre-existing world. Yeah. It's, it was squeaky clean from the beginning. And now these creators are just like, let's fucking trash this. And you know what's great about that is that you have pre-existing characters that you're familiar with that get killed off really early. Yes. Right? And so it's like every time it's shocking, but they can do it in these small stories right. without repercussions. But still, when like if like Reggie gets murdered or something, you're like, Hopefully. shit, Reggie just died. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, you're you're probably wondering how Veronica gets these uh, vampire powers. Well, uh, it's mentioned in the story that her father, who is uh, a very big, rich businessman in Riverdale, is meeting with some new clients. And while Veronica is getting ready for her date with Reggie, she goes downstairs to say goodbye to her mother and father. And they have both been bitten by a vampire who is still in the house. In the process of the vampire biting Veronica, she either subdues or kills the vampire, we're not quite sure, and she's able to uh, get away in time so she's not drained of all her life, which if you are familiar with vampires, uh, if they don't kill you, that means you become a vampire, apparently. (laughs) That is vampire canon. (laughs) (laughs) And the final scene is her fleeing the scene of the vampire attack and having a head-on collision with none other than Reggie coming to pick her up for the date. And the collision is so intense that she's actually jettisoned out of the car through the windshield and gets up like it's no big deal. She sees that Reggie is bleeding, tries to kill him, but realizes what she's doing and runs into the woods. And the final panel is the vampire that attacked Veronica peering into Reggie's car quite uh, maliciously. He's going to eat that, homie. I hope so. (laughs) So if you were Ronnie, Veronica Lodge. Yes. Mm -hmm. And... uh, you turned into a vampire. You immediately going to go after Betty? <laughs> we think that's where this is going. I think, here's the thing. She Th- genuinely they, likes her. Yeah, they're, you're absolutely right. They're, they're genuinely buddies. friends, right. yeah. They just seem to have the same type of man, which is a red-headed dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> just a bland guy. Just I, a really... Yeah, I think she will run to Betty for help. I, I thought... 
I thought it was interesting that they're making Veronica a vampire. So I was reading something uh, that was talking to Greg and Meg Smallwood, mm-hmm. and she Meg was saying something about she really likes Veronica being this character that is very could be very easily typecast, but she seems to kind of escape it sometimes by doing unexpected things or by kind of being too entitled for anybody to put her in one of those labels. Like totally. she'll she'll throw it off like at the last minute and do something you don't really expect. So I I don't know what she's <coughs> gonna do, but maybe that's why they chose to make her the cent the the central character for this because mm-hmm. she could do something that would be unexpected for your typical vampire story. Her name is also the best pun for it a vampire. Is. I mean, that's probably <laughs> like the the biggest reason. I had, a, <laughs> I had a moment while I was reading this, not even kidding, where I was just like, why didn't they make Betty the vampire? And then I was like, oh, duh, Vampironica. But <laughs> she's like, it's she's a great character to, to put in the situation just because she's a, like you said, spoiled rich brat. You kind of take her out of context. Yeah. Uh, she's got... Black hair looks like a badass. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was funny because she, Veronica is, I wouldn't know, know if I'd use the word manipulative, but mm-hmm. she very she uses people in the right ways mm-hmm. to get what she wants. Yeah. And I thought that a vampire sucks blood because it needs what it wants from people and it just takes it. Uh, I thought that was kind of a cool. Really embodies. Yeah. I, I didn't know if that was intentional or not or if I'm Could just be. looking way, 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 way too much into it. And can we, before we go, I have to say, Art, fantastic so, in this book. Oh, yeah. So good. And I know that's not fun for you to hear about on a podcast, uh, how good something looks. But, <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like someone storyboarded a movie. Like, it's it it's is. brilliant. It's not polished, but it's wonderful. I think I like it more because of that. Yeah, it suits the tone of the, the horror aspect of this really well. Yeah. Great colors. Yeah, the colors, the like the transitions and the um the paneling is yeah, so artistic. Paneling. I almost it. said pacing. I was like, ah, what the fuck does that even mean? Yeah. Too good. <laughs> Too good, Archie Horror. Too <laughs> die good for me. <laughs> Too good. Oh god. <laughs> That's your seal of a <laughs> the whole thing. From Mike D, it gets five <laughs> to guns. <laughs> All right, so you may have noticed that Budget King is not here today, and normally he's like, I want to recap all the comics. That's for me to do. But he's finally not here one day, and here I am to re- recap this comic book for you guys and i'm so stoked to be here it's eternity girl number one from dc comics imprint young animals words and art by visagio and lou we find our lead character caroline she grew up as an overachieving athlete and scholar she inadvertently obtained some superpowers while working as a spy in an attempt to foil a supervillain from gaining some ancient and magical superpowers Caroline decides to go full superhero after obtaining those powers and immortality, but ultimately her powers leave her deformed, unstable, and severely depressed. The comic book landscape is just chock full of overplayed archetypes of characters. A lot of times these new heroes in new number one books 
are very derivative of other characters. How did you feel about our lead in Eternity Girl, number one? I thought it was uh, different and mm. pretty engaging from the start because we're not getting the superhero from the beginning. We're getting her very much at the end of her career. Yeah. She's presented as a human, but she's an elemental goddess who is suicidal. Yeah. It's crazy human. And I like that they presented her with that backstory. Well, and she's got a struggle throughout this book, and I think a lot of the the book focuses on uh, her inner dialogue, one, with a therapist, and two, dealing with um, the struggles of being displaced from her job. That um, was responsible for why she was displaced. Right, yeah. (laughs) You're exactly right. It's like you're the person that invents the computer to take over your job. Yeah. (laughs) In one hand, you're just like, man, I finally did it. And on the other hand, you're just like, fuck, I am out of a job. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. So, yeah, the, the whole concept of having a depressed lead, something I think you just don't see too, too much. So how many times do we see... Eternity girl try to kill herself. Like four through the course of this one book. It's like mm-hmm. four or five times. Yeah. And she knows it's fruitless, but she still tries. <laughs> that, that one line that really struck me was just like, you could shoot me into space, into the sun, and nothing would happen. And I was just like, that is the epitome of being immortal. Mm-hmm. But the way this book is drawn to, again, we're talking about the way something looks, but yeah. you can just see how hopeless she feels. In the way that they draw her. Yeah. It's very bleak. Yeah. It really is. This, so I read an article on this one too. You guys, I did a lot of homework this week. Hey, I like it. This one. Teach me. I think it was Visaggio who wrote it. Who wrote it. Yes. And um, they were talking about that they saw this as metafiction. This is... Yeah, I totally agree. Because she references a comic book that is her. Oh, being a comic. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I think it was when she decides that to destroy the world, she that's that's worth it to her in that sense. That's finally appealing because then she can die. Let's talk about that yeah. for a second. Yeah, I might have jumped ahead. No, Matt, so... But she's aware of everything. She's kind of aware of this sense of... And it was also talking about because she's a little bit derivative and reminiscent of other previous versions, maybe, uh-huh. Endless Girl, that we are really seeing the very end of all of that. Because she's never died. Right. And she could actually be all of these previous versions somehow in some universe. Totally, yeah. But this is like a culmination of all of that. Like, I just want it to be over. Yep. She's at her end game. Which yeah. almost makes her not so much of a hero. Um, mm-hmm. As we find, as Caitlin mentioned, uh, she has a conversation during a vision she has of Madam Adam, who is the superhero arc nemesis that she defeats and kills. She comes to her in a vision where she's like a skull and eyeballs still in her supervillain costume <laughs> and tells her there's a loophole that she's supposed to be dead, but she's trapped in this you know, goddess form. Um, so if she destroys the world, she can end it. She can die along with it. And I think she's we've found... Caroline at such a point that she's willing to try anything. Mm-hmm. I think she says, "Do you?" She's like, "Do you promise me that this will happen?" Yeah. I think she doesn't want to like kill her friends or anything, but um, she's she's all in on that. So I don't know where this is gonna go. I don't either. You gotta be a, you're you're kind of a scary character when you've got 
nothing to lose like this. Yeah. Couple things. Yep. Do we know for sure that she was a good? Do are we for sure that she was a superhero or a supervillain? I think we were. I mean, they keep talking about how she was an Olympic athlete. She was an overachiever in school. She wanted to do the right thing. And when she got taken off the superhero team was when she started to spiral downward. Okay. Because I was just, I'm just wondering because, like, this book is just right side up, upside down, all over the place. It's just, like, is, would, would it be an interesting turn of events for you guys if we found out that Madam Adam is actually the good guy? The good (laughs) guy in this. You know what? Now that you mention that, Madam Adam is a blonde, bodacious babe <laughs> in like a leotard costume. Yeah. And looks like plenty like, like one a, of the gladiators. A superhero. Yeah. She's like an American gladiator. Yeah. Well, so, so she looks like a superhero for that's sure. That's what I was thinking. Like, she fits the bill of just like those buxom superhero women from the 60s and 70s. And when she ha- when, when and when they have those flashbacks to when they were fighting and when Madam Adam was alive, the artwork changes to like that kind of gradient, uh, older style of artwork that we find in the seventies and eighties comics. So it's just like, I, and it's it's the coloring too mm-hmm. for me. Like Madam Adam's in in brighter colors, which usually denotes that you are are the good guy, and. Uh, Attorney to Girl is in these blue hues. She has that the red appendages that have the superpower. So I, it's kind of weird. Like I don't know. She does not look like the hero. I thought maybe that was more of the elemental thing, that her power oh, totally. is yeah. like yeah, yeah, not so much. I'm strong. I'm a Wonder Woman type of power, but I'm an elemental. I'm something that's more unknown. But that's a super interesting way to look is. at this, Greg. I never would have assumed that she mm-hmm. was, in fact, a bad guy to begin with, but the group she's in, Alpha 13, I think, could very easily be bad guy squad. <laughs> it sounds kind of like that. And yeah. then, like, they keep talking about the incident that happened, where people kept asking, are you okay, are you okay? And she flips out on people and, like, yeah. hurts someone. Right. we have Marvel's New Mutants Dead Souls. This is a one of six, I believe. Words and art by Rosenberg and Gorham. So this is a new ragtag bunch. They're not anyone's first choice to do really anything. Maybe not even their own first choice. They've been assigned to go to this Hachi Corporation Relief Center in Alabama. It's a couple days after this hurricane has hit the town and there are these reports of like the dead rising and and there's this guy who's locked a bunch of townspeople out of a trailer because he's part of the corporation and he's like kind of hiding out in there and this is where you kind of see that this bunch that's uh, led by magic um, has boom boom and wolfsbane a lot of characters that were unknown to me I don't know if they were known to any of you but you're just kind of getting to know them little by little. You have a strong guy who's basically all muscles, and he has a soft spot for kittens. Uh, Wolf Spain is a werewolf that is uh, a Scottish female. And I don't know what Richter 
what Richter's deal is? It does kind of explain them. I'm just drawing a blank. Uh, Richter, he said he was from uh, Mexico, and he can cause earthquakes. Okay, so he's an earthquake dude. Get it? <laughs> oh. Richter. Oh, new mutants. Got it. Oh, cheeky. And then you have Boom Boom, I think is the only one that I left out. Really? Um, yeah, any guess what her power is? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, well, you start to see that this group has um, their own moral compass. Yeah, and we're, I feel like I'm kind of derailing your whole thing. <laughs> okay. But this comic read so much like a 90s X-Men comic to okay. me. Like, so far and away so. I kind of compared it to, like, early X-Files. Did you? Yeah, because uh, yeah. they these are missions that no one really wants to go on, but they have sort of weird, spooky elements to totally. them. Totally. And these people have some kind of expertise. Yep. But they're just being sent there to kind of check it out. And they don't even really want to be there sometimes, a la Scully. You're totally right. And mm-hmm. it's like it's like old X-Men, I think, in the... Um, in the way that it's like a bunch of a ragtag group of teens, they're really moody. If you read like <laughs> Generation Next in the '90s, like feels a lot like this. Um, art style's the same, kind of like a self-contained story. Yes, that just like ends at the end of the issue, and then you move on to the next crazy thing. There's right. like a little bit of pithy one. angst too. Like, yeah. Um, well, these these definitely are all teenagers. Yeah. I do I do wonder I think this is going to it has a potential to be a pretty fun little series because you know they're not that we're not getting too many of them but at, toward the end of this book you see that they've already got their next deal to check out to go and check out it's already in progress. Yeah. Um I think it's what I chose to be. It's like a some creepy old person or some creepy Oh yeah, this town is your member. character from <laughs> yeah. the from the get to know you question. Yeah. And then it looks like <laughs> In one of the previews, they're going to fight a frost giant. I don't, Ooh, that's what that looks like. From yeah, Affelheim, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, it could be pretty fun. Thor, yeah. I, I think, so I think that the, the main purpose of this book is to kind of promote the New Mutants TV show. Mm-hmm. Is it a TV show? Is, I think it is. Is it going to be a movie? I thought it was a movie. Uh, maybe it's a movie. Either way. But it's promoting something. I think it's supposed to... It, it's going to build hype for some sort of media that isn't books. <laughs> uh, you can only hype up books so much. We're going to have six books to hype up more books. <laughs> <laughs> I think normally when you get these like short series that are just like, hey, get excited for the thing that we're going to do on TV. Mm-hmm. They're normally like pretty throwaway. But I like this one all right. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. It was... the, char- the characters are fun, which... Helps really sell this thing. I feel like if I was in high school, I would love the fuck out of this book. Mm-hmm. To- totally. Mm-hmm. This puts me back in like junior high mm-hmm. sort of age when I like love team team up comics like this. I have a feeling they're just gonna mess up a bunch and get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, right. and I'll, figure I'll out it. how to get themselves out of it. They're not only learning how to work as a team, but they're also learning about who they are. Mm-hmm. I love that. Because mm-hmm. X-Men is about what? Tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback from an earlier episode, so why don't you go find it and listen to it, viewer. Yeah, that was very demanding. Yeah, sheesh. Hey, I'm just, I demand <laughs> a lot. It's not a podcast about tolerance. That's for sure. <laughs> you goddamn right. <laughs> that can all be cut. Um, ooh, guys, 
This was a hot, hot, hot week for number one issues. We talked about three that we really liked, but a couple fell through the cracks that were so, so good that you definitely shouldn't sleep on. Rich Tommaso and Lou Rossi came out with Dry County. Um, Really cool book. I think if you like indie graphic novels, kind of pop arty sort of books, this has like a cool minimal style, really intimate story. Yeah. of a guy who falls in love and battles all the super personal frustrations that go along with that. It's got kind of like a crime noir feel uh, to the book. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And then really intriguing, um, one of the best books of the week was definitely Infidel. Um, and I was telling everybody earlier, this one kind of felt like The Shining to me. It was just like an eerie kind of horror book. It's about a Muslim woman who marries this uh, white man, and they have to stay with their uh, his mother, who is a little xenophobic, and they have some problems there. And there was this all kinds of complicated background stories, and there was like a murder in their apartment complex, and you don't know like who's fully evil, who's just partway evil, and who's actually good. So there's a lot of dynamics at play between like all the different characters and scenarios in this book. It was super fucking rad. So pick up Infidel if you can still find it at your stores. Sounds kind of like Get Out, too. Yeah! Okay, yeah! Well, it's that time again, everyone. It's time for us to put on our riding boots and our riding pants, our riding shirts and our Riding hats. Get up on our riding horses and ride off into the sunset. Get along, little doggies. Until we meet again on the trail of comic book chit-chat and chatter. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. Our trail song is sponsored and created by Primary Color Music. Uh, We are edited and produced by Matthew Hodap. And we are on the Fountain City Frequency family of podcast network. Go find that website. Check out all the other great podcasts they have available for you there. You will not be disappointed. Find us all on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, F-I-R-S-T, First Issue Club. I think that's it. That's the things that I had written down. (laughs) Oh, shit. Were you doing it? No, 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 no. Oh, no. No, 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 I've ruined it. I just have a checklist to make sure that we do it every time. Oh, okay. I just don't trust you guys. Well, it's just a good thing you have that list because I have a terrible memory and a poopy diaper. And on that note, I'm Greg Ligti, signing off. I'm Caitlin Morosic, and I will show myself out. I'm Michael DeStacey. Wham, I'm a baby. <laughs> Bye.